Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the Metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly, patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Hello and welcome to Baseball Barbacast, the only baseball podcast in the world that's still ramping up our throwing program. Jordan, I don't think I'm ready to go yet. I can't no. give you five. No. Yeah, that's the thing. The The ramp up is a good concept, and we're going to get into some of our favorite spring training uh, sights and sounds and phrases a little bit later on in this show. But yes, the, the ramp the ramp up is, is something that is of utmost importance in the first couple weeks in spring training. Although also sometimes you're just going to like, man, he, he was ramping up before he got here. He, he arrived at the top of the ramp when he arrived to spring training. But the other guys, they're just still... So they're looking up at that ramp and they're being, man, I got a lot of I got a lot of ramp left. <laughs> you know what Alicia Keys said though? What goes up must come down. I'm Jake Mintz. I am joined in person. Hey. By jo- with Jordan Schusterman, a friend of mine uh, from childhood who does this <laughs> podcast with me. Hey Jordan. Hello. Uh it is a Thursday morning, February 23rd, and yes, we are in the same place. For just convenient reasons uh, that have really nothing to do with <laughs> this podcast, um, but we're happy to be in the same place and, and record this pod together. We are going to be talking about some major league baseball things. Our time at spring training has concluded, at least for now. Perhaps we will go back, but our we, week is. We, our, yeah. we didn't make the team. No, <laughs> we were cut before the games even began. Uh, it was not a, a situation. They were like, "All right, you guys are done." Um, so yeah, so so we'll 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 do a little bit uh, more spring training uh, kind of overview. We also have some news that we are going to uh, begin with, as well as some positional battles, and then we have one very fun email that I'm excited to talk about later on in the show. But we will begin with some news. Um, although, is this news, Jake, uh, the latest on one Shohei Otani? Uh, how would you describe this? Is this really news? Are we being informed of something that we didn't know before? I would argue that if Shohei Otani has eggs for breakfast, it is news. Yeah. Anything this man does is news. But what we're talking about specifically is that Shohei's agent, the one and only Nez Bellello, spoke to reporters after speaking with Angels GM Perry Manassian for an hour. Mm. Okay, so that's the context here. The uh, GM of the Angels and the uh, agent of Shohei Otani talked for an hour. The agent emerged and then proceeded to dodge every question (laughs) about a potential Otani extension, more or less confirming that... You know, bearing an act of God, mm-hmm. Shohei Otani will hit free agency. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think that it, it it's funny when you see, especially at spring training, you know, you'll see all these conversations happening and and an agent and GM ha- talking in public like that. That's again, that's not normally something you're going to get to see because during the season, this is happening all the time where agents are sitting down with with GMs at, at secret you know, or owners at secret restaurants and in the back room, whatever. This is just out in front of everybody. Now, when you talk, when they talk for an hour, this is I want I want to kind of stick on this point because realistically, um, 
what it's not like those are extent I, I don't believe that they would be having full-blown extension negotiations just hanging out out there uh, on a tempe backfield and so to me i'm wondering like how much of that conversation is actually about Shohei, or how much of it is just like you know trying to basically be friendly with each other and w- again any sort of edge you can get towards helping make nez think that like oh yeah maybe i would more consider telling Shohei, hey, yeah you know, maybe we should consider an extension. What are they talking about for an hour? Because it's not just him going back and forth and being like, we want to keep you. And he's like, okay, thanks. We really want to keep you. Okay, thanks. I think it's eight minutes of how's the kids okay. at the front end. And then it's 12 minutes of how was the offseason. Nice offseason you had here <laughs> where Nez is saying, I like what you guys did this offseason. Very impressive. Okay. Then there's probably like five minutes of Shohei's WBC participation oh, and definitely. the logistics yep. of that. Yep. Okay, so now we're at 25 minutes. Okay. Then I would say there's probably about 15 solid minutes right. of like where we're at, what, a, what our number might be, what <sighs> the, the angels would theoretically be willing to do. There's probably a component where they're talking about Artie Moreno and the angels' ownership situation is yeah. probably like 10 minutes, 15 minutes of that. Right. Right. And so by the time you get to 60 minutes, shouts out to Leslie Stahl, by the time you get to 60 minutes, you you really didn't talk about the meat no. of the situation, which is significant because you have the situation all the time where reporters will ask a player, are you open to an extension? Mm-hmm. Right. Which is the dumbest question because would you consider an extension? Every player would consider an extension if the number is high enough. But what we have seen in this circumstance is Bolello and Otani implying that the number could not possibly be high enough. <laughs> it, it, they, doesn't exi- it doesn't exist. Well, that's, that's my other point is in this case, there's, there's such a <laughs> – there's almost no telling the degree to where this could go, unlike any other player we've seen before. Now, the other thing, the other thing I'd point out, and this has come out in, in reporting about a lot of the – uh, biggest free agents, and this is true in other sports too, is that when we're talking about these players, Perry does not have much to do with this, to be honest, right? Of course, Perry wants to keep Otani, but this is such an obvious ownership thing. Now, it's even less likely that we would ever see Ari Moreno in public talking to Des Valello, obviously. So it's not that Perry doesn't serve as some sort of, you know, intermediary. But if in on the very small chance that they are ever to get, get anything done, Perry is going to have very little to do with it. And so if this is just as simple as Artie being like, hey, Perry, can you go talk to Nez and just see where he's at? I mean, that's very plausible. Right. But no progress is going to be being made because and Perry knows this. He's like, I am not going to be able to make this call. Same way that like Cashman at the start of the offseason was like, I mean, look, obviously I want Judge back, but this is an ownership call. And he's right. He's right. And this is an even more extreme version of that and even more of a circus because of how the ownership situation has transpired uh, over this offseason. Yeah, it's not like Perry is a smart guy, right? And he understands the reality of the situation (laughs) he and the Angels are in. And this is what is interesting to me about Moreno, about the the owner is like he is unhinged. Like he is detached from reality to a certain extent. Right. Where like he does he genuinely believe that Shohei Otani wants to stay there? And it's likely like if you look at the facts of the situation, Mm -hmm. the team has sucked they have failed to build around him and he's going to necessitate like a $480 million contract. Is he sitting there in his fancy house thinking, ah, yes, we will certainly retain or like Otani will take a hometown discount. Like there's no, yeah, there's no way that's happening. But it goes back to like conversation we have with, with Pedro, right? Where it's like, if you're Artem Moreno, like you did 
convince Trout to stay with a buttload of money. Um, and that combined with like, this is the other thing I could maybe imagine him already maybe telling Perry to, to talk to Nesbitt, is that Perry did, as we talked about, make the team better this offseason. Now, again, I don't know how much that matters literally at all, especially at this stage. I think if the Angels have a good first half, you know, and look like, okay, now we actually have built a team, even if it's just for this year, now maybe Perry has a little bit more room to to call up Nez and be like, hey, man, like, look, maybe we actually are starting to figure this out after your entire career when you have never been on a winning team. Again, I think all that's too late and I think it's irrelevant, but I do think that at this stage, I don't really know what could possibly be said between those two to make much of a difference. Last thing here on Otani, there are a number of different ways this can now go, okay? There is the Otani is awesome and the Angels are not good, which I think is the I know what that quo. looks like. <laughs> You've seen that before, yeah. right? If Otani is awesome and the Angels are bad, he will leave and he will get a contract over 400 and million dollars yeah that is what will seems happen, pretty right? safe to say yeah if otani is good and the angels like make the playoffs or just miss the playoffs in, and they're like in the mix otani will still leave but we will get a narrative heading into the offseason of maybe the angels could be in the mix and i think Bellello in that circumstance would be more willing to pay okay yes or not Bellello, but uh, moreno but also i also don't believe that because all the players they got are on one-year contracts so it's like Correct. i mean unless it's like logan ohoppy is like a top 10 catcher in the league immediately and like all the young pitchers are like take huge steps forward but in general i mean i Doubtful. But okay, continue. What else? What else can happen? Then there's the underwhelming hurt Otani season. Mm. The underwhelming hurt Otani season is something none of us want to see and none of us are rooting for. Except the best case scenario for Artie <laughs> Moreno. The be- and this is not going to happen. I want to be clear. Angels good, Otani unavailable. Where it's mm. like the price goes down, the angels stay relevant, and he, Moreno gains more leverage in terms of negotiating I, with Otani. Right. I think Otani getting injured, I don't know. I still feel like this is a situation where it's like it's like Kevin Durant, right? Like, I don't care how many injuries you've had. Like, when you're that good, like, teams are not going to care very much. And even more than, like, a Correa type. And that's what I want people listening to this to understand. I just gamed it out. And every scenario involves Otani leaving yeah, so or Otani at least hitting free agency. There is not a road to an extension here, in my opinion. And that is very, very rare. So let's move from one international hero to one American hero and talk about one of the most fascinating stories we've had in baseball mm. in recent memory. And that is the saga of one Mr. Noah Song. Yes. Now, Noah's song may not be a name that a lot of you have heard of. He has never pitched in the major leagues. He has only thrown he's a... He's never hit. pitched in full season ball, I don't think. I don't think he's pitched in an affiliate. I, I mean, I remember seeing him in, in with Lowell, I think, yeah. <laughs> with the Lowell spinners. But all right, let's tell you who Noah's song is. So Noah's song uh, was a pitcher at the at the U.S. Naval Academy, uh, which is, you know, a Division Division One baseball program, but not exactly a a powerhouse, you know, going going to Omaha. Uh, again, this is this is that we have schools like we have the Air Force. We have there there these are military schools that have, of course, uh, collegiate baseball programs. And Noah Song, uh, very quickly in his in his Navy career, um, as as a baseball player, <laughs> uh, was 
became one of the best pitchers in the country. He was amazing in 2018, his junior year. He had uh, 121 strikeouts in 89 innings and a 1.92 ERA. Um, but then it was like, okay, well, he's he's not going anywhere. Like he's this is a thing he's committed to is is finishing out his 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 time, you know, at the at the academy. And so he went back his senior year. He's even better. Uh, just ridiculous numbers. Of course, you know, he's in the in the Patriot League. It's a, not quite like pitching in the SEC, but he did it on the Cape as well. And so the Red Sox uh, picked him in the fourth round of the 2019 draft. No, clearly a, a first round talent. I mean, there was no doubt any question like this guy deserved to be a, a first round pick. But because he had looming military commitments, looming uh, service that he was going to have to go through um, several years, th- there was risk involved in taking him. And so they picked him in 2019. He went out and pitched in rookie ball. Seven starts was amazing again. Uh, and then he he departed and he went um, to the get, Navy. Yeah, went to the Navy. He was went to sea. Here we go. I'm going to go be in the Navy, Just, even though I'm one of the best pitchers in the minors. I don't think it's been reported like where he was boating around. Yeah, I don't know exactly right, where he was. I'm sure we're about to get a lot more reporting about this uh, in, in the coming weeks. But the point is, so then he's just out of, out of sight, out of mind. I mean, the Red Sox technically had his his rights, but he was on the restricted military list, which is a thing. There, there have been some other examples of this. Griffin Jacks is another one uh, in, in recent history who has had military service and then ended up coming back and becoming a big leaguer. Um, anyway, so he's just like out, out of the, So we weren't thinking about him for three years. Basically, we were yeah. not. We were like, okay, he's he's off doing his thing. Maybe he'll be done at some point, and he'll come pitch. Okay, great. He's on the water. Then, um, in December, a couple months ago, the Phillies selected him <laughs> uh, in the Rule Five draft. Now, this was not something that was exactly on the radar. When you pull up a list of, of eligible players and saying, oh, okay, well, they haven't added him to the forty man. Well, obviously. Noah Song, the Red Sox did not have any reason, from what we could tell, to add him to the 40-man, considering he's not pitched in three years and he was still off being a you know, naval officer. Just, just <laughs> and, he's just on a boat. But instead, the Phillies uh, were like, hey, uh, maybe he won't be in the Navy much longer, apparently. And they took him in that Rule 5 draft. Now, remember, if to keep a guy in the Rule 5 draft, you have to have him on your active major league roster the entire season. What it appears the Phillies were planning to do, though, was mm-hmm. the military list is different. So mm-hmm. if the Phillies take him, they don't need to put him on right. the roster if he's off on, Navy. If he's on the military list, right. Um, and I think what the idea was is that they they just were still hoping that now that a few years have passed, he was a little bit closer to maybe coming back to baseball. At the time, though, in December, there was no talk of the idea that he would suddenly be discharged from his naval commitments before this upcoming season, which is apparently what has just happened. And now I believe he is reporting to camp today or was already in camp yesterday. Today. Which that alone makes it impossible for me to believe that this wasn't something that was already be- like there's no chance that two days ago he was discharged and now he is showing up at Philly's camp like they must have known that this was coming for some amount of time for him to show up and clear unless he was stationed down there <laughs> which would be extremely convenient but that's my first takeaway listen well, I know we're still waiting well, on details I just want to say why this is important and why yeah. this matters because there is a chance here now granted he has not pitched in three years but the last we saw of him this was like a top 50 prospect in baseball yeah this was a legitimate guy who probably could have moved pretty quick. Yeah. Considering he was drafted as a senior. Yeah. Like dominant, mm-hmm. dominant, dominant, dominant in the low minors. Mm-hmm. The Phillies could have just maybe just like added a middle of the rotation starter or a back end guy in their bullpen mm-hmm. that they were not expecting. And because they're a contender with pitching question marks, 
this is like a potential game changer. Now, if he's not good enough or, you know, is rusty enough, considering he hasn't pitched in three years, that he doesn't make the Phillies roster. Remember, they have to keep him for the whole season on the roster. He would then go back to the Red Sox, right. who could option him to the minor leagues. And right. obviously, that's what Chaim Bloom and Boston is hoping for. Yes. Right. But you're right. Like, if the news came out that he was discharged yesterday <laughs> and that he was reporting to Phillies camp today on Thursday, <laughs> there's no way Noah Song just like called Dave Dombrowski <laughs> like, yesterday and was like, hey, you guys. Can I come? Can I swing I mean, by? Well, I mean, at the same time, like, I mean, I'm sure they want him there as soon as possible because the only way they're going to have any sense if he has any chance of making the team is to get him there as yeah. soon as possible. It it just I'm not I'm not saying it's like fishy. I just like it just yeah. doesn't make any sense. Well, there's I think there's three scenarios here, and the most likely scenario, and we'll start with that, is the Phillies drafted him hoping that he would be ready at some point in the future. Yeah, in the next, got, you know, eighteen months. Correct, and they got remarkably lucky. And about two weeks ago, they were informed, or like a month ago, hey, there's a chance that this XYZ happens. And a week ago, they're like, this will happen. And then it just came out right now. You know what I mean? That's, I think, probably what happened. Yeah. Now, there are two other scenarios. One is what we were talking about before, which is Noah Song just like cold calling the Phillies two days ago. And is like, I'm good. (laughs) I'm ready to rock. Right. (laughs) I'm going to come make this team. I'll be there. Bye. I'll be there. Bye. Yes. And then the, the best scenario, the funniest one is that like Dave Dombrowski has contacts in the American Navy where he had like some sort of scoop from the joint chiefs of staff that Noah song was going to be discharged in a couple months. And so they swooped in and scooped him up in the rule five. But, but, I, I love that's my favorite one. At the same time, like as talented as Noah Song is, this would be a unprecedented rule five. Like this is again to have someone that's forced. It's not just because they, they, he can't just become one of their prospects. Like there is risk involved in this, and it's not like an automatic swindling of the Red Sox. To now, listen, I think there's a chance he's going to show up and looks awesome, and he's just going to be a major league reliever this year. But you know, he's not a guaranteed sure thing. Uh, the way that and the rule five does come with some risk. You know, if you can dodge a wrench, you can dodge a ball, Jordan. If you can throw a bullpen on an aircraft carrier, doing that on dry land is easy money. I mean, this is the thing, right? Like, I just have so... We will get more reporting. This is not be the last time we talk about it. Can you imagine, like, he's long tossing on an aircraft carrier, like, the full length of this ship? With who? You just need someone to catch it. (laughs) And then they can, like... There's, like, uh, like an assembly line of people to get the ball back to him. And he's just... That's what I mean. That's what I mean. But it's great because if he he skies one, it's kerplopping into, into like, you know, the Baltic Sea. He's gonna... Which has probably kept him very, very focused. He's... he's, There's no room for error in his training on the aircraft carrier. I think what we'll see is we're going to get some sort of phantom injury. That allows, like, uh, he'll start the year on the roster and then they'll, like, oh, he'll have some sort of phantomish uh, injury situation where he can, like, get worked back up. Also, and I do think he contributes to the Phillies this year. I do. Also, I mean, this is a this is a terrible thing to say, but also, like, he could have a real injury situation. The dude hasn't pitched in three years and he shows back up. Hey, no song, come here and throw 96. Like I that. think he has been throwing. Yeah, like, he's he definitely been least- throwing. That's what I'm saying. There's no way that his first baseball activity will be when he shows up to Clearwater today. There's no chance. He's like, how do I put these pants on? Yeah, right. So anyway, but that's a good point about like the Phantom IL thing. Because that, that is a thing teams do sometimes is draft guys that are hurt or draft guys that just had TJ, stash him on the 60 and then you don't have to have him. But I hope that doesn't happen. I hope that he's either like – and the people crushing the Red Sox, it's like – I. 
I don't know. I, that seems a little much. I know people have gone to every length to crush Bloom this offseason, and a lot of it has been deserved, but I, that feels goofy. There are avenues through which you can legitimately criticize the Red Sox. Yeah. You don't need to get on them for not knowing that a guy in the Navy was going to yeah. be discharged. Like, it's yeah. not realistic. But yeah. let's go from the American Navy to the American baseball team and talk a little bit about the World Baseball Classic. Mm. Now, there has been much hype and much excitement about the WBC and how stacked these rosters look compared to previous years. We are excited. We are amped to watch it and to follow along. But something that we have seen over the first couple uh, days in spring training, the first week or so of spring training, is players who had committed pulling out. And people are obviously understandably disappointed, but Jordan, we are not surprised. Yeah, I would say that when you announce the official rosters this far in advance of when we get all kinds of injury updates in a normal spring training, um, and you know, there's there's different there's different situations. I mean, the 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 Kershaw one seems a little bit more complicated because that's someone with one of the bigger contracts in the league, and there's all kinds of insurance things. Now, I will say Wait, it, it is. I want to be clear that is an insurance one. Yeah, he cannot get the proper insurance to cover him in case of injury. Exactly. So if if Kershaw were to go to the WBC and get injured, it would be, in my understanding, legally akin to him getting in like an ATV accident or <laughs> right. like it, tearing an ACL playing it's, pickup basketball. It's a, it's a little more complicated. And, and, you know, because of the way that the rules are written, there are things, there are cases where the team can actually block the player from from playing. And that, that has happened in some other cases. But I guess what I would just say is like, and then there's also some other freak situations where I believe Gregory Soto is one. Um, who was supposed to pitch in, in the WBC, but he is not. I, I don't, either he hasn't arrived in, in Clearwater yet because he's been dealing with visa issues, and now they're worried. Okay, he's not going to be ready. Get back to our ramp up. Not going to be ramping up enough because for the, for a lot of the guys, especially for the pitchers going to the WBC, a lot of these teams, even if they're they're cool with them going, want them to do something or pitch in a game before they go off to whether it is Japan, whether it is just going over to Arizona uh, or Florida to, to pitch in these in, in the pool play. So if that's not happening, then in some cases, you're going to see the players also decide, like, this is not smart for me as much as they want to be a part of it. And to all that, I would say, sure, it is disappointing. There will be other guys dropping out. It's fine. This tournament's going to be amazing no matter what. You're going to forget about it as soon as the games start. Right. You're not going to watch the WBC and be like, damn, wish Gregory Soto was <laughs> well, here. Well, it's that. I mean, like some of the bigger ones, like, I mean, I know Kershaw's sort of a bigger deal just because the USA starting pitching is not overwhelming. But like the funniest one is Jose Ramirez, who had, I believe, thumb surgery in the offseason. And so I think he maybe could have played, but they decided, no, they're not. It's like, oh, no, like Jose Ramirez isn't playing. Now, listen, I know he's one of the best players in the league. Team DR does not need the help. Yeah, in the infield. All right, they're, they're going to be good. just they're going to be just fine. <laughs> it's it's going to be okay. Uh, so yeah, we'll we'll get more of those. And if you're if you're uh, hyped for the WBC, do not let it ruin your spirits. It will be a great tournament, no matter what. Last topic here before we take a quick break: position battles. Now, m- position battles tend to exist more on crappy teams because good teams are more solidified and know where their good players are going to be playing. However, there are a couple of examples on contenders across the league where there is at least some uncertainty in some certain positions heading into the 2023 season. And I just wanted to touch on them mm-hmm. for a little bit. I actually want to start with the Yankees because the Yankees are weird as hell right now because there is some uncertainty at shortstop. The overwhelming assumption is that it will be um, 
Oswald Peraza at short to start the year with Isaiah Kiner-Falefa on the bench. Mm -hmm. Now, because of like the positional versatility of DJ LeMahieu and the fact that they're just going to have him be like a super rover, even though he's better than I mean, I labor and Donaldson yes. and Peraza yes. is super bizarre. And then there's the left field situation where it looks like it'll be Oswaldo Cabrera versus Aaron Hicks for mm-hmm. the left field spot. Um, so we could we could talk about all of this. I am most, I think, perplexed by the LeMahieu one. Now, I know that that is also injury related, like he has been an injury concern. I don't know. Having just been in Yankees camp, if you have any insight into how healthy he is. And, He's and doing regular full go. Okay. So to me, like, again, I think the Yankees fans' worst nightmare is opening day, Donaldson, IKF again, right? What would you say the chance is that it's Donaldson and IKF on opening day? 50%. 50%. Okay. Wow. So that's still... I think man. Donaldson is a lock. I think Donaldson is a lock too, but I, that's why I was trying to get the, the sense of IKF because... Did you hear the uh, Boone quote? About no. Donaldson the other nope. day that people were freaking out about? I did not. So he said something along the lines of, someone asked him about Donaldson and the confidence in, in a bounce back. And, he, and Boone said, you'd be crazy not to expect a bounce back from Josh Donaldson, which is just a bad choice of words, right? If you're the manager of the Yankees and you use well, the wrong words ever, like it's a headline, whereas right. if you're the manager of the Reds, no one gives a shit, right? Yeah. But it was a notably <laughs> horrible way to phrase that. Yeah, I think... You'd be crazy. I would say, I think if I believed that Donaldson was going to bounce back, I would say, look at this guy's track record. There's a lot of reason to, like, I I that's, that's He said that too. Said I know, too. I know. Yeah. But to say you'd be, right, exactly, to your point, and especially because a Yankees manager, everyone loses their mind over everything Boone says, but that is, that is, I, I wouldn't say as far as to say it's it's insulting and condescending, but it is, it is one of those things that could very quickly look so stupid and so, like, arrogant <laughs> that yeah. uh, is is unfortunate. Okay, so that's interesting that, that you said, because I'm wondering about that too. Now, the outfield is also interesting because we, also started to see some whispers about the idea that Judge would consider playing left to have Stanton playing right, and thus we're not worried about left field anymore. Uh, what you are can, you? Then you can DH Lemayhew. Yeah, D, whatever. The point is, is you're not thinking about Aaron Hicks and as well. And as well, Cabrera is, is exciting to some degree, but you're not mostly thinking about not Aaron Hicks. What, what what would you say the likelihood of that is? Here are my general thoughts on the Yankees' position situation. You need to do everything you can to keep Giancarlo Stanton, who has been the strongest t- clump of tissue paper in America over the last three years, healthy. You have to keep this guy healthy, right? And running him out in the outfield on a consistent basis is not the best yeah, way to do that. That's probably true. And I think that what will likely happen is one of Donaldson, uh, Donaldson, Peraza slash IKF and Glaber will stink. Like they will be bad enough so that LeMayhew will just take that spot. Yeah. Cabrera will play left and all will be well. Right. It looks like they have too many players right now, but not everything is going to go to plan. There's a chance like Peraza just doesn't hit. Yeah. And then you could maybe move Oswaldo Cabrera back in from the outfield. I mean, he's played a lot of short. I know he's not as good there. Or you call up Volpe. Right? right. There's a lot of things that they can do. Their positional versatility in spring training looks goofy because it doesn't 
have DJ LeMahieu in a starting spot, and this guy was like an MVP candidate. Well, and that, three that's years ago. that's the thing. I, I just I'm so stuck on LeMahieu not being. And I know he can't play short, so that's a big part of this. Right. But if like, he could play short, he would be the starter. Yeah, right. But it is still strange to see him, who they committed six years, 90 million. I mean, that is like, I know he's only because it's spread out and because they gave him that extra year, he's only making 15 a year. But, and he's, he's, you know, he's 34. Like, he's getting older too. But it is, it is wild to me that it just feels like they're so committed to trying Donaldson one more time and they're so convicted on Donaldson bouncing back in a big way. And, I guess you could still say that his offensive ceiling is higher than LeMahieu's. Oh, it is. For yeah, sure. Yeah, I is. think but but again, remember what LeMahieu was doing also the last time Donaldson was good. Like, I mean, that's that's the part of it too. I, I guess, you know, Donaldson's been better more recently, but it's just a weird one. I, I agree with you. It's just the, the LeMahieu part of it is is very strange. Not to mention, of course, you know, Hicks is just a way worse version of that in the outfield where, you know, they committed all this money to him and nobody wants to see him out there for basically any amount of time. I mean, he feels like the one that even more than Donaldson, people are just have no interest in watching him play anymore. One of IKF or Hicks will be Joey Gallowed into being bullied off this roster yeah. by the middle of the year, yeah. unfortunately. Let's move on to the Philadelphia Phillies, a baseball team that I dream of playing for. They have this guy named Bryce Harper, but he will not be healthy to start the year. He got Thomas Johnson surgery on his elbow. and will be out, I believe, till around June, July. And what that means is that the Phillies, one of the uh, strongest lineups and stacked groups of hitters in all of baseball, many of whom are bad at defense, are somehow left without a designa- an obvious designated hitter mm-hmm. in their lineup. And last year, it was the opposite, right, where there was no mobility at DH because you had to play Bryce there because he couldn't throw a baseball. Right. And now that Bryce is, is on the IL, it's like, uh, I guess we need a DH. The favorite in the clubhouse right now is Derek Hall. Jordan, for people who are unaware, who Mm. is Derek Hall? Yeah, so Derek Hall, I mean, the Phillies have had a lot of these types kind of come through their system over the years. Um, Obviously, (laughs) Reese. Darren Ruff, Tommy Joseph. uh, Dylan Cousins. I mean, some guys that never even really made it to the Phillies, but just, you know, big donkeys, right? I mean, these are just the, the large, the large lads that can hit the ball very far and usually have at least one enormous offensive flaw, whether it's being terrible against same side of pitching or just huge swing and miss and whatever. So Derek Hall's just been, you know, launching homers in the minors for five seasons now. Uh, he finally made his debut. He in, has 126 career minor league home runs. Yeah, which is, again, in the minors for someone who's only 26 is is or 27 is is pretty crazy. Um, so yeah, so the, he's just been doing, but again, he's never been that high on any prospect list because it's just, it's not a profile that you're that excited about. And especially on this roster, it's like he's just a way worse version of a lot of the guys they already have. And so, but now because he's played so much in AAA and has hit enough in AAA, it's like, well, I guess this is the chance for Derek Hall. And, and you know, to be fair to him, I mean, his OBP was 282, but he did slug 522, you know, in over 100 plate appearances in the big leagues last year. So it's not like he's a complete unknown qual- uh, quantity. At the same time, you know, for a team that has obvious, you know, pennant aspirations again is this really who's going to be in the lineup every day for the first two three four months i i guess i mean again the top of the lineup is so good that it's not that big of a deal my concern is that yes for all we've made of like trey turner changes the 
the complexion of the lineup, the tone, the the flavor where you have now this incredible speed element. This is still <laughs> the middle of this order is still a a very uh, you're running it down. Uh, yeah, how should how should we say it? Like it is it is not exactly the the most fleet of foot, the most athletic group. And so that's the part that's fascinating to me is because there was a time not long ago when the defense of Schwarber and Castellanos was such a concern in the outfield that it, all we wanted, let alone Reese, uh, love you Reese, but uh, same thing, right? Even at first, that there was a desperate a desperation to put any of those guys at DH, right? Before Harper was hurt, it was like, please, can we get these guys out of the field? But now, because they don't really have beside Dalton Guthrie, who we can talk about, because they don't really have an obvious defensive upgrade in the outfield anymore. They're just like, fuck, whatever. Like, we'll just keep rolling with Schwarber and and, and Cassianos because we believe in Marsh so much in center. And that leads us back to Derek Hall, who's at least his initials are DH, and he's been a DH probably since he was five. Uh, but I don't know. Are, how? What is your concern for this? Or are you cool with them rolling with, with D. Hall? I, I don't. I'm concerned about him facing lefties as a left-handed hitter. Yeah. His career numbers against lefties in the lower minors are okay, but last year he was just horrible against same-sided pitching. In the big leagues. In the big leagues yeah. and in the minor yeah. leagues. And yeah. so the concern that's my concern there. Now, against left-handed pitching, I would imagine they would push Castellanos or Schwarber to DH, take Hall out of the lineup, and then have – Dalton Guthrie yeah. hop into the outfield, maybe put Edmundo Sosa out there. Mm-hmm. You know, there are there are options. Cody Clemens is another one who could maybe work his way into one of those right. roles. Yeah. But it is just fascinating that they have gone from Bryce Harper, a man who single-handedly carried them to the World Series, to Derek Hall, about as unproven a commodity on a contending team as we have. Now, one more to talk about before we take our break, and that's the New York Mets. The Mets, uh, it, the, it, the, the discussion we're about to have, they we would not be having if they had ended up signing Carlos Correa, mm-hmm. but they did not. And that is the Mets designated hitter situation, which as it stands, belongs to one Mr. Daniel Vogelback, who mm. for all of his entertainment value is like pretty mid. He's pretty mid from an offensive standpoint. Okay, but but let's, this is a good transition. Would you rather have him or Derek Hall this year? I guess he was better. I guess Vogie was better last year than I thought. Yeah. How was he once he got to the Mets, though? Awesome. He was better. He was really? fantastic. No, Vogie. I. I mean, you're. I don't think you're totally wrong about this. Like the the ceiling for him is, I guess, a little bit lower. Like the interesting thing about Vogie is that it is really more OBP driven than power driven, which is <laughs> which weird. is which is interesting. Um, you know, I know he, of course, hit hit 30 homers in his All Star year with the Mariners, and and he's capable of of getting a hold of very specific pitches. Uh, but it is much more of a a you know take good at good 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 at bats i mean he i believe is consistently in like the top 10 in pitches per plate appearance he is arguably one of arguably he's he's in the in the category of is he too passive that's something that's been said about him too but it, but it works i mean he draws a lot of walks and you look at his overall swing rate it's always at the very 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 bottom of the league which Aaron is hicks too. which is which yeah. yeah hicks is just a little bit different but, but yeah when hicks was going well it, it did work right that is a profile that can work but to me now listen i love bogey he's obviously one of my favorite players in the league but it is amazing to me that after to to spend all this money to spend all this and again you could say something about the fillers but that's more injury related spend all this money and have this historic payroll and for Vogie to make it through all of that and still look to be in the projected starting lineup is a credit to him truly because he did deliver when he finally was on a way bigger stage than he had ever been in his career by far 
uh, and just the testament to just him as a as a person. Like he is beloved in the clubhouse, yeah. beloved by the fans. Should he be batting sixth for a team that hopes they're going to win the World Series? Uh, maybe not, but like. I don't think it's a terrible option. I, I'd rather have him than Derek Hall. I was going to say, I want to retract my statement of midness. Yeah. Derek Hall's best case scenario is Daniel Vogelback. Yeah. I mean, it's That's a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. And, it's and a different profile, but also the floor. I mean, Hall could just be so unplayable. Hall could realistically be unplayable very quickly. Whereas Vogie, there's a, there's a level there where you kind of trust. Now with the Mets, Darren Ruff is still on this freaking roster. Which is hilarious and bizarre. And again, he has been good recently. And I know he became enemy number one the second he showed up in in blue and orange. But he's still a realistic option here. And then the guy not currently projected on the roster, there are two. That's Francisco Alvarez, Brett Beatty, and I guess Mark Vientos. Three guys who are all top prospects, highly rated. I mean, Alvarez and Beatty are like top 30, top 40 guys in in all the minors. And neither of them are on the projected roster. All three were up at some point last year. And do you think any of these guys breaks camp with the Mets? And what type of impact do you think that trio will have this season? I think one of them will. I would bet it, bet on it being Beatty, Beatty, I think. Now, all of this would be way more likely if they had not signed Tommy Pham. Tommy Pham appeared to be the strange decision of insurance now he could also be a, a you know a platoon partner at dh for with vogelback you're right a- adding fam was a slap in the face to those three <laughs> it was it was a a yes uh also maybe money related um but yes tommy fam that that one kind of crowns it because the rest of the mets bench right now i mean it's guillaume who i think kind of proved himself as that's the kind of defender you want to have on your bench i expect him to be there to me this just ends with Ruff's going to get DFA'd or squeezed off the team. Like I and and I don't I'm not saying Darren Ruff cannot is his career is over like this did not go well and it's, I would not count it going well this year. Um but signing Fam to me is a clear like we're not doing Ruff again. That's not happening. And that last spot I think will go to either Beatty or Alvarez and I would guess it being Beatty from the standpoint of having Alvarez on your bench is not that is worse for his development than it would be, I think, for Beatty. And Beatty's more likely to kind of force his way into the lineup, especially since he can, you know, defend a little bit sooner. But that's the thing with catchers, man. Catching prospects, you just it's like they honestly reviews on Alvarez's defense, I think, are better than maybe some expect. At the same time, like you're not handing over this rotation of all veteran Hall of Fame pitchers to a 21-year-old. Like, that's just... I don't see them doing that right away, especially when they sign Narvaez. If they still just had Nito, like, maybe they would say, fuck it. But no, I think they want Narvaez to be catching every day, and so I just don't see how Alvarez is going to get in the lineup that often. Thank you all for joining us into the dive of the nitty-gritty on some of these contending rosters. Jordan, let's take a little break. I need to blow my nose, and we will be right back after this with a very bizarre spring training draft. Negro Leagues Baseball Museum President Bob Kendrick hosts the SiriusXM original podcast, Black Diamonds. The Negro Leagues didn't care what color you were, and they didn't care what gender you were. Can you play? Hear stories of the leagues and legends that shape sport, culture, and society. That's why the museum is so important. It's like, we are never going to forget you. Episodes of the award-winning Black Diamonds are now available wherever you get your podcasts. We're not talking about balls and strikes. We're talking about your life. And we're back here on Baseball Barbecast. I'm Jake Mintz. 
Hey, oh, that's Jordan that's Schusterman me. right next to me. Jordan, spring training is a foot. <laughs> it's actually not a foot. It's it's a hand. It's, it's a cleat. It's a cleat. Spring training is a cleat. And we're just going to have a little bit of fun now with spring training <laughs> with some of the mm-hmm. we're, I'll just say it. We're going to draft our favorite spring training things. And that can range. They can be. Anything. Don't 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 say any, don't say any of these things. Don't give examples. Let's, let's save them. <laughs> Great. Let's hop right into it, Jordan. Let's draft our favorite spring training things. Okay. You are older than me, and so okay. you can have the first pick. You have not written any of these down. No, I have. No, Jake is far more prepared for this draft, so I am going to be going all over the board. Like I have some stuff okay. off the top of my head. Some of these things came up in our podcast earlier this week. Yeah. About some of the things we've seen. I'm going to get as specific and obscure as possible just for for podcast purposes. All right. My first pick. Again, I, these are not in any order, so I'm just I'm just what's coming to mind, specifically spring training. My first pick is minor leaguers having their name in a very goofy and and like dumb looking font on their jerseys, like taped on compared to the big leaguers who have real ass jerseys. And it's <laughs> does this include high numbers? Yes, I mean that's the one that people think about when we get into the games, and it's like, oh, here comes number ninety-seven. With sometimes they don't even have a name on those jerseys, which is true. But I'm thinking about on the backfields where it looks like they almost like drew the names on the day of, Great. compared to like all the all the big leaguers. It was very apparent in, in, in Guardians camp when <laughs> and you see it just it just looked so janky. It looked like. It looked like what you would put on like at a at like again, like summer camp or like something that you would like th- slap together uh, with some of your friends. So or like get on like a like custom or something like that's that's what I'm, I'm thinking of. it, And it is, it is a uniquely spring training site. So that is my first pick. It is not worthy of a first pick, but it is one of the first things that came to mind. I'm going to take optimism uh. with my first pick. Now, this is cliche <laughs> and an obvious theme about spring training, right? It is a time where all fan bases can hope and dream. But I'm going to take it on a more micro level mm-hmm. because what I love is the specific comments you get from mm. managers and players mm. where they bring this idea that like everyone is a six win player yes. in the spring training. And this ranges from the five starter in the rotation. Mm-hmm. There was an example. And again, I'm not trying to call anyone out. Brandon Hyde, the Orioles manager the other day, was asked about the first base situation for the Orioles. And he was <laughs> like, you know, we're seeing a lot of really good things from Franchi Cordero. Right. And I'm like. Brandon Hyde is being paid to see the best in Franchi Cordero. But what's going to happen to Franchi Cordero? He's not going to make the roster. I don't think he's starting at first base on opening day. That's That's what I'm saying. But the way he talked, he was like, we really like what we're seeing. It's like, okay, man. Yeah, but I guess that's that's just for Franchi. Just for right, it's literally just for Franchi to see that he said that and be like, "Oh, I got a shot. I got to keep working hard. I got to keep doing that." No, that's that's a good one. And you walk around even like I was at Pirates camp the other day, Mm -hmm. and you walk around Pirates camp and you spend long enough time there, you're like, "This team could win in 90 games." (laughs) And then you're like, "I got to get out. I got to get out." So I'm taking optimism. Okay, that's a great one. I'm going to take, and this is sort of true in the regular season too, but we sort of touched on it. I'm taking locker placement yeah spring training spring training clubhouses now this ranges from each team likes to do it differently but my favorite is the it's the most cliche thing in the world i just saw another one uh or or was talking to someone about another one in padres camp where they're like yeah you know jackson merrill when he got here his locker was right between fernando tatis and manny machado i mean you know what that means like that's he's the guy he's the next guy it's like okay is this really going to make that big of a difference? <laughs> like, I mean, maybe, but it's just, it's so funny how how intentional they are about the lockers. Okay, we got to make sure these guys are there. We got to make sure this veteran is next to this guy. And like, I know, like, listen, we've talked about it with, with teams like the Pirates. Like, I'm not saying that those aren't real things, 
but like it's not, not everything like, matters. It's not like they cannot make those relate those connections if their lockers are not <laughs> each other. Uh, um, so that just always makes me laugh. Yankees camp. We've got Aaron Hicks, John Carlos Stanton, Jake Bowers, and Willie <laughs> Calhoun and Billy McKinney next to each other. You yeah. know what that means. You know what that means. Uh, what does it mean? What does it mean? I'm gonna take uh, golf carts, mm-hmm. which. Okay. It varies by camp. There are some camps where you won't see any golf carts. True. I do not see a single golf cart at Yankees camp. Okay. Braves camp, golf carts run the world. And each at Braves camp, there are golf carts with people's names on them. Like there's a Snitker one. There's an Anthopolis one. There's one for like the, the AGM. There's one for the clubbies. There's one for like Ron Washington. Everyone has their own golf cart. And you go to Braves camp. They're just zipping around. What? Driving players like to and from. It's like it's like golf cart Uber. Yes. Go- golf carts were also on my board. Um, specifically <laughs> because sometimes if, if you watch. Because generally if you're on the backfields and you're asking training. You're watching the baseball and you're not paying too close attention to the golf carts. But if you just focus on the golf carts, you'll realize how short of a distance they are often going. Mm. And like in Cleveland, I saw this at White Sox camp too. Like there are so many that you're like bordering on like traffic jams of golf carts going from, I mean, not far at all. Like golf carts trying to maneuver around each other for like the dumbest possible reason. I'm like, you guys can walk, right? I mean, (laughs) what is this really accomplishing? Do you remember the story we heard about a former top prospect who didn't make it? who at one spring training didn't know how to put the golf cart in reverse just, and was just driving into the fence like in, like the wheels are spinning. Yes, that's right. Again, and golf cart privileges. I, I have not seen what you described in Braves camp where you have your name on it, but it is clear, you know, some people like to be like I just I was watching Rick Hahn at White Sox camp just just all over the place, just zipping around. It was great. Uh, that's actually a good transition to my next one, which is which is just seeing the GMs out and about and the different ways that they interact with everyone around because there's there's levels of it there is the gm that is just standing you know back on on the concourse and maybe talking to their other assistant gm or player development and, and staying out of it and then there is aj preller who i saw yesterday showing up and you know how this is kind of going to be one of my other picks but uh you know when you're watching live vps you know you all got to kind of stand somewhere he is Right up there on the net, like right up there, like crouched, like locked the fuck in on like Julio Tehran throwing to, you know, David Dahl. And it's like there's, there's different there's different uh, versions of it. And then it's also it's like some of them are clearly a lot more approachable than others. And you just don't see GMs in, in, in the wild that much. And, and also the, the concept of thinking like is what this GM is seeing right now making a difference on who is making this team. I'm sure it is, but the the degree to that is very entertaining and and very funny to think about. Uh, I will take pitcher boredom. Oh, yeah. I will take pitcher boredom (laughs) because hitters have so many different things to do. Catchers even more so. There's so much to do as a catcher. You have so much to work on, right? Infielders a little bit less, outfielders a little less, but pitchers, they can only throw once they can only like throw live like once every three or four days, right? right? Two or three days, whatever. And that means in the days in between, it's fucking busy work. Like it's lifting, it's P- pitcher fielding practice, PFPs, it's playing light catch, yeah. it's going to a meeting, and then it's going home. <laughs> There's just not enough activities to do. And I think that's a big uh, 
you know, low hanging fruit there is just to find something productive for these pitchers to do. I think they should make mm. the pitchers read fiction mm. in the in between time f- for, you know, just to make them, you know, more compassionate humans. I think that is a great one. Uh, that actually is sort of related to my next pick, Go right ahead. which is just um, watching guys, the f- most famous players leave before everybody else. Now, this is true during the games, too. This is kind of jumping ahead to the games. And this is one of our favorites, right, is. Oh, it's the fourth inning. Okay, pack up your bags and I'm out of here through the fence in right field. Uh, but even during during before the game start, how quickly the best players are They're getting out. dressed and out of there while <laughs> you're seeing the minor leaguers maybe just starting their day or, you know, watching just like watching the highest paid player on the team walk out and pass the weight room as everyone else is just getting after it. It's like fucking earned it <laughs> i mean yep that's what that's what this is get good enough so that you don't have to do you can minimize spring training as much as possible i'm going to take a spring training game one for my penultimate selection okay. and that is the on-field jogging around the warning track oh where, while there God. are games going on this is the thing. i haven't thought <laughs> recently about games we might have to do another one just for games specifically that's a great one that's a great where one. it's just so funny as if they don't have somewhere else they can run mm-hmm. there's this enormous spring training training facility oh with God. like 20 fields and you have the pitchers just running around the outfield track while there's literally a game going on incredible yes, yes that is a good one and I, I i that was also the other game when i had and i know i can't remember if you ended up writing about this but is, is the manager sitting on the field behind the net as, oh, opposed, I never to, as opposed to in the dugout um just i mean just the goofiest thing in the world are you getting a better view? Maybe, yes, kind of. Uh, but it just sounds like a tradition that is that has lived on, and uh, one I'm sure we will see again this year. Um, but since that's kind of kind of related, we've already talked about that before. Just my my last pick again, very specific, but for live BP when. You know, there's. You talked about how you got to watch bullpens at the Braves, and for that situation, were you sitting behind the backstop, or like how close? Were I was you on to like the. Mound? the- the bleachers the bleachers but like behind like you were off the field you weren't on the field correct <laughs> so although yesterday i was front row off the field for cole against judge and then for some of it i was in the other dugout right but so but the other thing is they they usually have the net literally right behind the catcher yes where you'll have some people standing behind and for whatever reason the padres i don't know if this was because it was so cold and we were huddling for warmth there were literally 25 people like Padres all like basically half the active roster was like huddled behind the net to watch, <laughs> you know, Honeywell and Reese Kinnear and, and, and Julio Tehran. And it just looks so goofy because, again, they're trying to be yeah. safe. They don't want to take a foul tip to the face. But like to see that many people standing that close to home plate in hoodies was a very goofy sight. So you're taking huddling behind nets? Huddling behind nets. Okay. Yes. Which I do think is a very spring training thing because you also have it behind the mound. Also, if you'll have you'll have all the all the track man people and all the all the people tracking all that stuff will be sitting behind sometimes with the table but seeing all the players huddle it's just again you're you're not seeing this anywhere else for my last pick i'm gonna take aarp eligible people who fucking die for this shit old folks old baseball fans for whom spring training is the world series yes i'm not making fun of them i want to be clear i respect the heck out of it oh my god they do not they care more about spring training than they do about the world series and i made this point the other day on our on our show like i love it remember what i said i wish it was four months of spring (laughs) a month of regular season well well, duh i mean you know why why that is 
they're living in Florida. They're not going to go travel around to see, you know, their favorite team, whether it's the Cardinals or the Mariners or the, you know, like they're they're down in Arizona and Florida. And it's like, great. Like my favorite team is down here. I'm not, I'm 80 years old. Like I get to go to the field and I'm retired. I don't have anything else to do. I get to just go spend time at the baseball field. It's so accessible to the elder population. And, Uh, you know, you go to the downtown-esque area Mm -hmm. of any of these places. Like the other day I got lunch in Sarasota, downtown Sarasota, and there are just tons of people wearing, you know, Aloha shirts, oh, like Orioles, Orioles stuff, stuff. and yeah. the team's not even playing games yet. Yeah. No, and it's, I, it's I do love how it takes over mm-hmm. some of these places mm-hmm. slightly different, but you go to Clearwater, it's Philly's land. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. You go to, Tampa's different because it's, you know, the Yankees, but and Tampa's such a bigger place, but you go to some of these places and the teams do really take over the town yeah. in a very kind of yeah. cool way that's reminiscent of like an all-star game. I almost. do feel like that's more true in Florida. Florida. Although, although I would say Mesa is another good example for Cubs. Like they like they have a Portillo's there now just because it's like, all right, like this is there's enough people from Chicago coming down that like this makes sense. Um so yeah, so that that's, place that, okay, here's a hot take. Portillo's sucks i'm <laughs> so anti portillo all right damn. here's here's the draft jordan you finish with uh minor leaguers having their name in a goofy font uh locker room locker placement gms being out and about in different ways watching famous players leave early and general huddling behind nets i took uh optimism uh golf carts pitchers being bored Jogging on the warning track and old people who die for this shit. The optimism thing is such a good one because I wish like you could run an experiment of like basically taking someone who doesn't know anything about how good any of the teams were last year. And all they got to hear were what was being said about the players in spring training. And they had to try and figure out who were the best teams in the league. Which- I, that would be, I don't know how we could run that experiment, but like, I I want that so badly. <laughs> I have an idea. Okay, yeah. We huh? just need someone who knows nothing about baseball. Uh, but it needs to be enough about, ba- like, uh, yeah, yeah, I guess. There's probably a way to do this, but I feel like you would still need some level of basic comprehension, but... I don't know. Let us know. Uh, this is a good transition into our, our last segment, which is an email. Baseballbarbecast.gmail.com. How could we run an experiment like this? I mean, yes, that is one option. You get someone that's completely disconnected, has no idea who won the World Series, what the standings were. But I, I feel like there would be it would be harder to even ask them about who's going to be. But they, they would need to understand what is being said about why Franchi Cordero looks good and why, you know, random yeah. pitcher on the fringe looks amazing. Like that, that... I want to do this. This, this is, is like a D3 coach who didn't watch the MLB World Series. It's kind of the demo. This is part of my idea that I had when we were working in MLB to do baseball mythbusters. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Right? These run these dumb baseball experiments yeah. and see how they go. Man. So anyway, because that that is such a good one, right? Cuz you you can't tell the difference between them being like I saw him I saw him live and oh, oh that's that reminds me of my, my last quick pick catchers meeting pitchers for the first time. Oh, that's great. That's catchers meeting pitchers like literally watching them yeah. walk up to like, I watched Mike Zanino, maybe he had already met him, but like watching Zanino go up to Plesak and being like, hey, oh, what's up, what's up, big dog? How's it going? You know, this whole, was it fastball slider? Yeah, you that's know, another slider. There's <laughs> all this tech, right? They have like a track man there to, you know, and rap Soto to see how often like these guys are like breathing in between each pitch. And then it's Mike Zanino's like, one is fastball. <laughs> <laughs> I saw this with Rich Hill and Tyler Heineman the other day. It's like, so, so one is, uh, he's like, one is fastball f- up here, but, and three is slider. What's two? He's like, 
Oh, slider from down. Oh, okay. Oh, okay, okay, okay. No, no, no. Great. Let's go Got pitch show. Nice. Let's go pitch show O'Neill Cruz. Right. And right. then and then same thing. Like, I know that we're not hearing all the conversations, but like, all right, last pitch, boom, catcher come up. Hey man, you look you look great, man. That's awesome. That's getting better. That's yeah, great. Yeah. Or like the like the fist bumps like during the bullpen's like, yes, good, nice. And that's optimism. That is it's all it's all optimism. <laughs> all this is optimism. The other optimism thing is this happened to you recently, is you know, when we're in spring training and we're seeing all these people who we have relationships with but we don't see all the time it's like how is the offseason good offseason's good how do you feel right that's just like the the yeah. typical yeah hey, how good? You doing? and jordan had a situation i don't want to name names but uh. jordan was like everything good like how you feel and the guy was like yeah i'm feeling great like 24 hours later the coach is like blah 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 is dealing with arm discomfort <laughs> and it's like well either this guy was lying to jordan or you got very unlucky. Uh, all right. Anyway. All right. We have one email. We, we, we've been getting a lot of good emails recently, but I wanted to do this one from Gabby. This is so funny. This is this is just like top-notch, like OG Barbacast content. So I appreciate this email. I have not read this. So Great. I'm excited. Okay. So this, this one we probably could have prepared for a little more, but I think it's very funny. Uh, hi, guys. Here's a scenario. Rob Manfred wakes up one day and much like a principal who decides he must cast himself in a cameo in the school play mandates that he be a starting player on any MLB <laughs> team for a week. There is no getting around it. You cannot bench him. You can send him to the minors for seasoning for a few days, but he is eager to play in the bigs and there will be consequences if you don't play him. He'll complain. <laughs> he'll complain about service time manipulation and will not get the irony. Beyond that, you can you can hide him as creatively as you want. For some reason, you guys are in control of this and the GMs and managers do whatever you say. What team do you put him on and what do you do? I mean, you just put him on the A's. You okay. just put him on the A's and you put him in left and you hit him ninth. Like, well, no, but that's this is this is for pure entertainment. I love this. This oh, is you're great. saying from entertainment? Well, I, I, there's a lot of ways we could do this. For, I mean, I don't think she def- particularly. Uh, it depends on what I'm depicts, trying to do. Am I trying <laughs> to hide? It's, it's a week. I'm not. You say you could hide him creatively as you want. Yes, what you just said is the answer. Sure. That's not interesting. No, That's it's not, not funny. So let's let's What's, think of the funnier possible situations. I had a couple come to mind. Um, one for me would be shortstop for the Red Sox. Oh, okay. And here's why. Okay. If you're thinking about which manager Rob Manfred has the worst personal relationship with, it has to be Alex Cora. Ooh. Based upon the Astro okay. sign stealing stuff. Okay. I think it has to be Alex Cora. Okay, that's an interesting one. And also that that comes with, you know, they thought it was gonna be Trevor Story, and now we're watching Manfred for a week. Like this is just uh, I mean, the Red Sox fans. That's it. Uh, that's a great one. Like Adalberto Mondesi gets hurt and they go to Manfred. <laughs> <laughs> so that's a good one. That also brings up um the idea of who is he replacing that would be funniest. Right, O'Neill Cruz. So, so, well, but well, from from that from the entertainment standpoint, but also like, I mean, this is just like, okay, Judge, right? He's playing right field for the for the Yankees for a week. Judge has to sit. I like during roll call, at the Yankee Stadium, right? They, they like Harrison Bader, Robbie Manfred. He's like turns around. Yeah. He does the Brett Gardner muscles. <laughs> so the other one I thought of. The other thing with um, him replacing Judge is it stays in the gap-tooth family. That's true. Here's the other thing I thought of. Is anything on the Astros? I mean, like like Maldonado would be <laughs> just amazing. Because Manfred goes out for a mound visit with like Framber. <laughs> not only is he botching, you know, 
<laughs> defensively, obviously catcher would be the most catastrophic position you can put him in. But, <laughs> but I mean, again, people looking to boo the Astros. I mean, man, I mean, imagine, Ooh. imagine people, imagine Ooh. just the, the, the intros. I mean, the intros for these games would be amazing. I think too. I'm, so yeah, so that's the thing. I'm, There's I'm, two different things. There's like, <laughs> what is the funniest punishment to like have the commissioner deal with, which is the Oakland. Oh, you're going to go play. So, so, no, no, so. no the, if you're saying punishment, <laughs> it's either for Manfred or for, or the, for fan, the team. For the, yeah. It depends on who you're punishing. The, yeah, the yeah. worst punishment for Manfred would either be right field for the Yankees and right. having to replace Judge, or I think actually catcher for the Mets, where he has mm. to catch the very angry Scherzer duo. And, and Verlander. <laughs> Like Verlander's just cussing I don't, Manfred out. I don't like his chances to keep the ghost fork in front of him <laughs> from Kodai Zenga. Um, or, right, you, either you put him in, like, the highest leverage situation possible for Max. It's only a week. Um, but um, Or, right, you you cast him to the A's and you make him really understand what it's like. To be on a team to be, tanking. To be on a team tanking. And then maybe we can start to put some more uh, restrictions around why that is such a bad thing. Yeah. Because because uh, that's the thing. I mean, think about it that way, right? Like, it's not like he doesn't know the attendance is down at all these places, but he's not going to those games, right? He's never, he's not feeling that. And so if we're hoping to maybe better the future of the sport, it may actually be better to force him to experience those teams. Like, what's, right. right what is, is the goal for all of this is a great question, but this is why I love this email so much. Because like, we could take this in so many directions. Starting pitcher for the reds and he has to just have a meeting with the castellinis mm-hmm. add, from that perspective right? <laughs> right so anyway love this email uh gabby who goes on to say she's a, a longtime listener means your support is awesome and we you are it. a very funny person so thank you for this email <laughs> we appreciate it you can email us uh at baseballbarbicast at gmail.com that's b-a-r-b-cast and on that note i think we are going to wrap it uh jake well, I guess we can mention at least briefly what what we're doing here. Uh, so we're we're down here in Round Rock, Texas, uh, doing uh, some some work for D One Baseball, who is hosting and, and broadcasting a, a college baseball tournament this weekend, um, which includes the number one team in the country, LSU. So that is why we are in the same place. So we'll be here, and I guess we'll be in the same place for the pod we do uh, next too. So uh, stay tuned for that. But yes, obviously, spring training games begin tomorrow. Uh, with a couple, we we oh the the return of the Red Sox Northeastern game oh, is yeah. back. I think, uh, and I think we might have a couple other exhibitions like that. So, looking forward to that. Good luck to Northeastern's sophomore who will I guess be pitching against like Rafael. That's the best part of that game, right? Is that Northeastern doesn't want to blow like their best arm against the Red Sox, and so it's not even like a good. Because their guy. seasons have started, so it's not even like like they're already in it. They can't afford to. But also, it's like you're not gonna like your best players want to play against the Red Sox, though. So it's not like you you you're trying to save and, and keep guys from getting hurt. But anyway, so games are starting. We'll have stuff to talk about after the first. I mean, we're gonna have games like when we on Sunday. We're we're gonna be talking about violations and all kinds Woo-hoo! of shit. Like it's get get ready, baby. We're 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 get it's it's. It's it's only it's only just beginning. So we will talk to you guys next week. Thank you all for listening. Thank you to Chris Tyler for producing, uh, and thank you to uh, to yeah to, to everyone for for continuing to listen to this podcast. We love you all. Goodbye. Yes. Goodbye. Serious XM podcasts.